out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing. There is a field. I'll meet you there. When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about. Ideas, language, even the phrase each other doesn't make sense. Hi everyone. A few months ago I got this email out of the blue from a woman who informed me that she is a holistic counsellor registered with the same professional body as I am. In the email she asked if I would mind terribly if she sends me information about the workshop she was about to launch. I thought this was one of the most well-mannered things ever and immediately agreed. Over the next few months I would get emails about workshops that Faye runs and links to videos that she posted. I watched one of the videos and got a warm feeling in my tummy. This woman on my screen radiated amazing energy. I hardly followed the words she said because I was already typing an invite to her to be our guest on Meet Me in the Field. I wanted to know what caused Faye von Hart to have such an aura. I'm excited to introduce Faye to you. She is not only a counsellor but also a speaker and facilitator and now I know also an all-round awesome person. I really like the time Faye and I spent together and I'm sure you are going to too. If you want to find Faye, then please visit her website at www.empoweredpractices.com. Her Facebook page and Instagram handle are both also Empowered Practices. Her YouTube channel, on the other hand, is Faye Van Hart. That is Van, one word, and H-A-G-H-T for Hart. This podcast is supported by Orangutans in the Field. The podcast where Marva and I talk about life stuff, how it impacts our mental health, and how we deal with it. Catch this unedited, raw, sometimes heart-hitting and always blatantly honest podcast on Anchor FM and Iona FM. Due to the fact that it's on Anchor also means that you can pick it up on most of the major podcast platforms. Please also look out for information on my new book, Life and Non, a 12-step guide to life for non-addicts. You can find it by following the link from the right of my homepage at www.freddy.org.za. It costs 300 rand without postage. Order from me in my shop at www.freddyshop.co.za. This is Faye's story. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Good morning, Faye. How are you doing? Good morning, Freddy. I have a clear mind because I've cleaned my house this morning and I've done two loads of washing, so I'm, I'm very good. Oh wow! Thank you. You're way you are way ahead of me. Well done. <laughs> Thank you so much for being my guest on Meet Me in the Field. It's I'm so excited to meet you. I've been watching. Thank your, you for having me. You um, are most welcome. I was actually very excited to to chat with you. No one's really ever asked me about my story, other than friends and family. And I, I try to share some of my story with my viewers or my followers on yeah. social media. Um, when, but when never I had anybody put out me. When I saw your video, I knew this girl had a story. <laughs> <laughs> you could see right through it, eh? <laughs> There's an energy inside you that doesn't just happen. It happens through, it's like a river stone that, that's been made smooth through the water and the sand. And that picture I got, I got, I got of you. This, this girl has a story. So I just thought immediately, I, I, I want, to, I want to hear the story. So here we are. <laughs> Faith, tell me the first thing that I find interesting about you is your surname. That sounds Dutch. I believe it is Dutch. It's my husband's surname. Okay. Um, and from what the family tells me, it is Dutch. 
apparently hacht is a town in the Netherlands. Oh, okay. And my husband's family are the van hachts. Okay. But he is South African. He's a few generations of South African already. South African, born and bred here. Yes, okay. his parents born and bred here as well. Okay, so you're not going to throw a few Dutch words into this chat? <laughs> I know nothing, no. <laughs> cool. And do you speak English at home? I speak English at home. You know, we've, I've moved to Brackenfell three years ago, and I was very frightened to polish on my Afrikaans. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I seem to be getting a lot better. Okay. And funny enough, my, my grandparents were both teachers in Afrikaans schools. Oh, wow. And I came out struggling with Afrikaans because she would convert my orals from oh, English yes. to Afrikaans for me. Oh, my word. <laughs> and then no. I didn't, yeah, I didn't no. learn much. One of my favorite stories about my father is um, his mother was an, a teacher. And he, at the age of 28 or 29, he went on a bus trip all the way from Cape Town up to Cairo and then put the bus on a ferry and then traveled through Europe and back. And when he got home, all the postcards that he posted her were on his desk with all his language errors corrected in red. <laughs> oh, brilliant. So, so once a teacher, always a teacher. <laughs> brilliant. Um, there's actually a line of teachers in my family. My ah. My grandfather, my grandmother, and my aunt okay. is also a teacher. And I think that's, that's where this need or this magnet for me to teach comes from. Okay, yeah. Well, I find great joy. It's, it's in your blood. Yeah. In, in teaching. Yeah. I remember you when I was six years old and they asked you, what do you want to be when you grow up? Yeah. Um, I said teacher. As easy as that. Yeah. Where did you grow up? I grew up in one house my entire life, which was my grandmother's house and now my mother's house in Lansdowne. Okay. That is, that's in Cape Town. It's on the Cape Flats. And that was my home for 20, no, for 30 years. Oh, my word. So you and I have very much yeah. the same history. There's not a lot of people that can say that they grew up in one house. I also, yes. I was, grew up in one house, was in one primary school, was in one high school. I mean, how boring can you get? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, oh, my, my school career is, is pretty interesting. I went to four different schools. Oh, my word. Um, no, Why? five different schools. So in, please, in, please tell me it's juicy that you got expelled for bad behavior and those type of things. So let's start in primary school. I was at my Absolutely. grandmother's school um, for, for what we used to call sub-A. So we, we and, still, where um, your grandmother taught? Where my grandmother taught. She okay, was a maths yeah. teacher and it was an Afrikaans school. And I did okay. so well. And then I moved to a different primary school across the way, which was an English school. And I stayed there for two or three years. And then I moved to a school closer to home. Okay. And I finished my primary school years there. And then high school... I went to a lovely, what we used to call Model C schools. My parents were so proud. And I stuffed that up. And I, I didn't get expelled. I just nicely got asked to leave because I was very naughty. <laughs> Can I, you please leave my school because you're naughty? You got expelled. <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> it's not on the record. Not on yeah, the not, not on the record at least. Yeah. So what, what know, the, of, the last did you get school up there I ended up asked you to leave? 
I was very naughty. My myself and two of my friends at the time. We used to catch on really silly nonsense. We used to pick on the boys. We used to smoke at the tennis courts. Oh my word! Yeah. Um, during exam time, we used to roam the classrooms when we weren't supposed to. You know, messing on people's places. <laughs> <laughs> and other really naughty things that you're not supposed to do when you're 15, mm -hmm. 16 yeah. at school. But mainly because I was caught smoking. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing how, how something like cigarette smoking just is is, is the, the, the cause of so many teenagers. I nearly want to call it trauma because the consequences of something, I want to call it nearly insignificant, but is something that actually kills you really that insignificant. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not the judge of that, but... It just feels as if the, the punishment doesn't really deserve the crime. That that yes. that was that was always my feeling. You know, if I wasn't smoking, it would have been something else. I was just rebellious. <laughs> I was the rule breaker, and I was rebellious. Is it? You say so you you were destined. <laughs> I was destined to get into trouble. Okay. And why did did you grow up in a in a good Christian house? Or what was this the, the spiritual context in in the house that you grew up in? Very strange for me as a kid. My grandmother taught me about the Big Bang. And my Whoa. grandmother was not a churchgoer, but her sisters were. Okay. Is this the grandmother who taught maths? So we only really went to churches to when it was funerals, weddings, baptisms of family members. Okay. But then at the same time, my father, my biological father, is Muslim. Okay. Oh, I don't have a relationship with him and I've never been in a Muslim home. Okay. But I think religious context, context was very difficult for me. I grew up a little bit confused around yeah. what spirituality was and where I fitted into, the, into religion or into spirituality. And I battled with that for a long time, okay. which is probably why I got into a lot of trouble. <laughs> 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 and, and which is definitely why you ended up on, the, up on this podcast. <laughs> so, so all your past experiences brought you here. And um, so I, I reckon that you eventually finished school. I finished school. I was very smart. Um, I, I still believe that I'm smart. Maybe too smart. And I didn't say I too, just, smart, I didn't too smart have, for your socks. <laughs> too smart for my own good. I didn't no. have really good models for emotional regulation or how to manage myself or how to deal with things that were difficult. Yeah. And my mother, bless her soul, is a rock star of a mother and taught me all the right things, said all the right things, hoped for all the best things for me, provided for me. But unfortunately, through her own traumas and her own traumas that she was carrying generationally, she herself was not able to model manage emotionally yeah. managing herself or how to deal with difficult times or her choices with relationships. And I feel I, I carried that through to my young adulthood until one day I decided a different path was meant for me. <laughs> okay. And what happened then? <laughs> At the age of 24... I, so I spent 10 years in active addiction, 14 to 24. Okay. And at the age of 24, I found myself at my, at my rock bottom. Okay. And decided 
decided to let it all go. Okay. Let it so go and let whatever happen needs to happen. Um, and I came out to my family and they, like the rock stars that they are, um, I had a very supportive system. Oh, they got me into rehab and rehab changed my life. Mm -hmm. Rehab was the first place where, um, where life made sense, where social interactions made sense. I am so with you. I, I, I so get what you say. It's like, is this how the world functions? Why didn't someone teach me this in the beginning? <laughs> I'll, I'll never okay. forget that one of my first sessions in rehab was sitting sitting in group and wanted to say something and thought that, oh, I can't say that I'll be judged. And suddenly realized that yeah. in this room, nobody is in a position to judge anybody. And exactly. that was the most comfortable I ever felt in my life. <laughs> Really, it's funny you say that. Even even today, eleven years sober, I when I go back and I visit my rehab, it's still the only place I feel I can be my most authentic. Amazing. And I mean, down to my core, most authentic. Mm. I can drop all masks, and I am myself. Yeah, and that fame must have been what I saw in your videos. I mean, I didn't know you were a recovering addict. But when I saw your videos, there was there was something that said to me, this 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 chick's got it. I, I need to hear the story. So that's fascinating. So we've basically got the same clean time. So we started our journeys at very similar at the same time, but at very similar different stages in our lives, it seems. So tell me a little bit about your recovery journey. How has it been? How is it? Wow, I. <laughs> it's such every time someone asks me that question it's it's a different answer because I'm always at a different place because mm. I grow at this rate which yeah. is insane I love that I, I say that the questions stay the same but the answer changes because I change always changes yeah depending on where I am absolutely but recovery for me has been so much more than abstinence and it started with me discovering I was similarly to you in a workshop in rehab and it clicked for me because someone said that I have the capacity to manage my own self-worth, that my self-esteem is in my hands. This mm. is something you can control. Yeah. I'm like, what? Please show me this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and from that moment, everything that I learned, when I tested it, it proved itself to work for me and it proved itself to be beneficial to me and I received abundance in some form. And every time I tried these lessons and these ways of behaving in the world that made sense to me, I kept moving forward, I kept growing, I kept getting the things I always wanted for myself but was never able to embody it or mm. achieve it. Yeah. And I've just been flying since, since then from the first goal I set for myself which was to to, to abstain, to getting financial independence, to paying my way through my own studies, to finding a relationship that was not codependent where I mm -hmm. stood my own ground and I knew who I was, <laughs> or to earning money that was mine, to saving money, to know how to manage money, to my goodness, to yeah. nourishing my, my relationships with my family, to working on my personal development, to becoming emotionally intelligent, Mm. And still growing every single day in yeah. in nourishing this part of myself. And then 
I think where things just spiked away, I think spiked is not the right word I want to use, but where things elevated for me was when once I was nurturing my body and nurturing my human experience, it's as though the universe showed up for me in a different way and I started nourishing my spirituality. And I just began to feel this this void that I've carried my entire life that got smaller and smaller since I was sober. But I felt this void begin to close or begin to become full. Um, And it makes me teary because it it makes me feel grateful. Mm. But through through my sobriety and through my recovery, I find a deeper connection with God. Uh-huh. So then I thought it might have been if I'd grown up in a religious household. Um, I will also feel that through the darkest experiences that I've had, this void is able to shine really, really bright. Yeah. Which is, which is amazing for me. And I I find myself today being very connected and Mm. finding finding a sense of peace within myself and trusting trusting the universe to have my back and not fighting it, not fighting it through what I believe is the right way to live. Um, Trusting the laws of the universe. Um, That's where I find myself now. is absolutely beautiful. So, if you if you don't mind, and if you're not comfortable, then I'll, then I'll cut this out. Can you okay. can you just kind of explain to the listeners slightly about the the difference between who Fay is now and who Fay was twelve years ago? Oh wow! <laughs> okay, <laughs> I love that. Ooh, wow. I, awesome. <laughs> If I want to want to put it into one sentence, which of course I will elaborate on, but I was the most emotionally unintelligent person, spiritually unintelligent, but academically the smartest ass around. Uh, and I was a bitch. Know it all. <laughs> yes, because I'm yeah. smart. Yeah. And today I find myself being less of a smart ass and more, more connected to my body, to my soul. To, to my emotions and having these different elements of me communicate with one another so that I am a person that I like. Yeah. Oh. But if, 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 you, if you looked at Faye 12 years ago, um, besides being a smart ass, I had no consideration for other people. Mm-hmm. It was, it was what I wanted, when I wanted, and how I wanted it. And if I lost people along the way to get it, if I lost parts of myself along the way to get it, if I shot my own integrity in the toe to yeah. get it. And it, for me, it might not just have been about drugs, but it was just about being selfish and and wanting... Wanting the things in life that don't necessarily make you happy. So wanting the money, wanting the status, wanting the yeah. to always be right, and to always be seen, and to have your ego take over. 
That's who I was. Trying to build that void with everything, everything but what it actually needed. Jai, my ego is um, kept. <laughs> Tries to sneak up every single day, <laughs> but I'm aware of this ego and got it on a leash. Got <laughs> it on a leash. She's never going away. She'll always be there. Yeah. But um, I have a relationship with her, and I know who she is, and yeah. I catch her. Yeah, it does help to kind of, in a way, befriend the shadow, doesn't it? To to, to just under, it, under, understand it a bit better. Especially to understand it for the purpose of understanding mm. only, not for the purpose of having your ego as your best friend. No. Yeah, yeah. But tell me, so that was at 24 and you kind of by implication gave your age away. So, so what happened for you professionally from when you left REACT? Because, because at the moment you run your own personal counseling practice. So... Take, take us a little bit on that journey. I was 24 coming out of rehab. There was a part of me that I wasn't paying much attention to, but on upon the reflection, I think she was there, where I wanted to help. Even prior to rehab and inactive addiction, even prior to active addiction, I always wanted to be the person that someone sought help from. Okay. Um, my friends would call me the Dr. Phil. You know, <laughs> being young and naive and a little bit stupid, I wasn't maybe perhaps giving the best guidance or being the best listener. Or, <clears throat> But at, after rehab, I thought, I want to help people that are the teenagers that I was, that are the young adults that I was, uh. that are struggling with what I struggled with and teach them what I was never taught. Yes. Um, I was never taught how to regulate my emotions and there mm. wasn't a model for me either. And yeah. I feel like if, if there was, they, I might have had a different experience. Yeah. But I need to say that I don't wish for a different experience. Oh, mm. no, no, no. <laughs> I am grateful to my traumas and my darkness and my yeah. struggles. Same, yeah. So grateful. Because I, I wouldn't be this amazing light that I am today. Mm. And so as this this want to be that kind of person I wanted to help. I just didn't know how. But I was helping my mother in her restaurant that she owns in Plumstead. And as I drove home from Plumstead to Lansdowne, every single day I drove down this road where you will find Maynard Moore. And opposite Maynard Moore was a, a, a college, um, the South African College of Applied Psychology. Oh, yes. It was still, still very small at that time, and they were in this little house across the way. Okay. And I would drive past it, and I would read the sign every single time I drove by. And about a year to almost 18 months into my recovery, I thought, what if I gave myself the skills to be a helper? Mm. You know, perhaps this innate um, ability or this innate need to help will, will, will grow. Yeah. And that's what I did. I I made the appointment to meet with someone, but then they'd moved to Claremont. And I had to have a serious conversation about, so when I get this qualification, I will have the ability to help young people. Yeah. Okay, great. And you're going to use your life's experiences to support your academic knowledge of human behavior so that you can help people. Okay, excellent. I still didn't know how I was going to do it. Um. 
it was not like I had a picture of being in private practice or a picture of being a school counselor. Yeah. I was trusting that that would come. And I graduated. Oh, you must excuse me. My perception of time is horrible. <laughs> Blame it on the drugs. Um, <laughs> I think I graduated in 2015. Okay. I think so. I studied 2012, 13, 14 years and graduated 2015. And I spent a year at Norman Henshawood, which was the best year of my academic time. Oh, my word. I was with the adolescents. I was in the middle and I was, yeah. I did my field work with them and I thought, this is it. I am meant to be a school counsellor. Okay. I Being worked in, the, in that building that was right in front of Norman, Norman Henshawood High School. That, that new office park that was built there. Yeah. Yes, with a little parking lot. <laughs> yeah. I always yeah. turned in there before I how turned small, in there. How small is the world? <laughs> I knew when I met you, when, when you first emailed me and I watched your videos, I, I could feel that there was something between us. So we're going to have that coffee, don't worry. Let's hope so. <laughs> Where was I? Oh, and, and we, then... We were at Norman Henshelwood, so you, you, you really loved that, that experience. Yes, and I was in the academic environment. I was in the education industry, so my teacher was was happy because um, I loved the environment, the learning okay. environment. And unfortunately, when Norman Henshawood's counselor resigned, they were looking for a male. And oh, no. I didn't get the job. Mm-mm. And in applying for work, I was not getting jobs. And I was still, I was working for my mother, managing the restaurant, I was doing volunteer work at my rehab and I was working at Norman Edgewood. Wow. And For life. <laughs> yeah. And then I thought, you know what? This is fine. Um, I had other goals. One of the other goals were to get out of my mommy's house. So I seeked different work and that's how I ended up a retail store manager for Cotton On. Okay. Um, Cotton On Body. Mm. And the retail had me for three years. Oh, cool. Um, which and wasn't a bad dry. thing. <laughs> it did suck my soul dry, but it did so much good for me as well because okay. I was able to nurture a lot of the skills that I'd learned. Through, okay. I was managing young people. Many of the people on my team were all younger than 23. Okay. Which was great. So and I learned so much about myself. I learned how to how to be, how to use my skills, what not to do. And those three years, besides sucking my soul dry, taught me a lot about working with young people. Okay. And finally, motivating I, them. I quickly want to take you back. So so what what was the actual qualification you did at SACAP? I have a diploma in counseling and communication. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Just for in case somebody listened to this and think, okay, so how can I kind of also come onto this path that they know that that, that 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 that's what it is. Okay. At what stage did hubby happen? It doesn't oh, sound as, it doesn't sound as if you had time for anything else but what you were busy doing. He's a rock star. You know, Freddie, <laughs> my 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 love story is my favorite story because my history of relationships is one of the darkest. Mm. Um, I spend yep. time in a Tell me about it. <laughs> toxic they were abusive they were codependent my sense of worth was shattered and none of my romantic relationships were good i I don't have one 
and hubby came. Oh, so when when I left rehab, one of the rules were two years, no love relationships, no two years. years. You were in a strict rehab. Ours was one. <laughs> and I thought, okay, everything they've told me for the last two and a half months have worked. I'm going to give this one a go. Awesome. I understood the rationale behind it, and off I went. Yeah. And 18 months later, this dude walks into the restaurant, and I have an absolute crush on him. Mm. And eventually, um, he was noticing me on the train, because at the same time, sorry, I was also working in a call center. I was traveling from um, to Plumstead. So he noticed me on the train and he noticed me in this restaurant and eventually made contact with me and I learned that he liked me. So obviously I ran straight to my counselor and said, it is (laughs) only 18 months. (laughs) It's 18 months. I'm nervous. I haven't reached two years. This guy's Mm. awesome. Oh shit. What am I going to do? She's like, are you ready? Go on a date. And we, we dated for, Seven years. Oh, my word. It is the most, I don't know what's the right word. It is the most enlightening experience because what he taught me, whether he was conscious of it or not, was how to trust a man. Okay, yeah. Um, which was insane. He, he withstood two years of my bullshit. Because I had to figure things out, obviously. Yeah. Um, I had to heal some of my wounds. And after two years, I was like, I got no reason not to trust him. Yeah. And then we grew. We got closer. Everything that I was learning through um, through my studies and what I've learned in rehab, I was practicing in this relationship. Fantastic. Growing my, my social intelligence. Um, how to regulate myself, how to trust someone else, how to build boundaries. And we just got closer and we just kept growing. And he kept oh. tolerating my busy schedule. <laughs> <laughs> and seven years later, he proposed. A uh, bloody time, I would say. <laughs> we've been together for nine years. <laughs> or or did, 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 did you feel, when he proposed, did you feel that that that... that this was the right time. It wasn't too early. It wasn't too late. It was, it, it wasn't was the right too time. Early. Yeah, it wasn't too late either. Oh, he so still good. tells me three years into my, into our relationship, I, I gave him rules. I said, baby, don't ask me to move in with you. Don't ask me to marry you. I still have things I need to achieve. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I he proposed one... when, I was, when I was living on my own for two years. Okay. Now, one of the healthiest things that I also managed to do was to say no to my husband twice when he asked, when he suggested we get married. And it, it was just through recovery that I knew that I'm not ready. It's just, and, and, and the deal was that I will tell him when I'm ready. And when I was ready, I started hinting and he picked up, picked up the hint. Yes. I was asking you, how did you know that you were ready, Freddie? Fine. I I got to a place where where I where I realized that that I don't need anybody to fulfill me. 
And that was when, when I knew that I was actually, I was bringing into a relationship a full being. I'm not asking you to, to make me a whole person. For once, I brought a whole person into, into a relationship. And, and I, I felt I was ready to bring a whole person in. And that was when, when, when I knew, I, I, think, I, think, I think it's really now time to apply everything I've learned, to, to start applying now. For me, that's how I knew. How did you know? Very similarly to your story, I had bookmarks that I knew. I wanted my personal independence. I wanted my financial independence. And I wanted to be able to feel that if you left me tomorrow, I would be in tremendous pain, but I would be okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, and I... When I, when I reached that point was when I was starting to feel, so like, when are you going to ask me to move in with you? Um, <laughs> is it like time we get married now? And he also, but I think he, he picked up on the hints before I started showing them because according okay. to his story, he was planning the proposal. That sounds awesome. It's such a beautiful story. Were you in a 12-step fellowship rehab? Are you following the 12 steps? Or what's the modality that, that, that you use to stay to stay sober. The rehab that I um, was at does not follow follow the twelve step model. Okay. They follow the therapeutic community model. Oh, okay. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. Yeah. For me, they. I mean, if if I could define it for your listeners, it's as though they simulate the structures of the outside world. Yeah. Um, yeah. Around the responsibility, accountability, and um, uh, family structures and so on and that was how I learned to behave and for me for me how I stay sober is I stay connected to my emotions and I stay connected to my behavior when I and my awareness is something that I trust when I notice that I am not regulating my emotions and I notice my behavior gets a little bit out of whack is when I notice I need to pay attention yeah. to what's happening with me. And one of the things that stuck with me in rehab was that you relapse long before you pick up your drugs. Yes, absolutely. And um, that's how I keep myself from, from slacking. Awesome. And what, what ended up happening for me was I ended up healing so many of the traumas generationally that I felt created this I I refer to my addiction as a symptom um, ah awesome really really interesting I, so tell us a yeah. little bit how did you end up in your private practice eventually after after retail I always knew that I was meant for great things you know you you, you feel it in the pit of your stomach that you are meant to give of yourself to this world and I felt it so powerfully in my gut I was just not able to know what it was and for the last year that I was in in retail I started a course with Robin Banks if you've heard of Robin Banks Mm -hmm. he, he teaches a mind power program which was developed by John Keogh Okay. And um, when I did Mind Power, it was another way of 
connecting with your motivation and understanding the laws of the universe that once again began to make sense with or made sense to me yeah how i understood the world and the universe to work and through this course that i did with robin banks i discovered i was able to take this this yearning in my belly and translate it into um a goal or a vision Whoa. or a mission for what i wanted for my life yeah. and it just became very clear the clarity is insane around what spiritually um my intuition showed me this is where i your your path is you yeah. need to speak you need to share your story and you need to teach through your life experiences and mm. that's when i saw myself teaching and for, for an entire year what ended up happening in my mind and on many different notebooks in my office after breaking my traumas into modules and started looking at what are the things about my life and the lessons that i've learned in my sobriety that i intend to teach mm. and it kept coming down to self esteem self worth and emotional intelligence yep and i thought oh my gosh i this is what i want to teach and i started developing this course or this module and every month in, it transitioned into something new and in the last year i actually put the course to to paper mm. so i've developed what i like to call the social and emotional development program fabulous which is a combination of emotional intelligence as daniel goleman himself pioneered for us as well as other skills related to motivation responsibility and optimism hmm. and if you google if anybody should google social and emotional learning you will find these skills everywhere okay and what i've done is i've compiled a program that weaves my life experiences into it it weaves self worth self esteem and excuse me i've structured it into a program that is teachable for a facilitator that understands emotional intelligence and is um understandable for a student between the ages of i'd like to say 16 but maybe 18 and 35 awesome actually awesome and you call your 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 practice empowered practices am i correct yes i do okay awesome and and if people if people want to find you and find more about find out more about you and what you do where where can they go my website is empoweredpractices.com yes they can find me on facebook at empowered practices on instagram at empowered practices and on my website is my telephone number as well as my email address awesome and where do you post your videos are, are they on on youtube my videos are on youtube yes that is actually the channel is faith and art <laughs> i'm so upset i didn't make that one in power practices as well Re- repeat that it is oh, 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 just your name and your surname just my name and my surname for your youtube son. but everything that is on youtube is on facebook okay oh cool yeah awesome and that faith is our chat this is 
Oh, wow. <laughs> I am so, so happy that we connected. And I'm so happy that I got to know you. And I'm so happy that I got to hear what, what, what you're doing and the amazing difference that, that, that you make. Because I believe, I believe in what you do. Self-worth, self-esteem, immense things that, that every single person can do a bit of work in, in those regards. Because once we, once we start understanding where we come from and how our self-worth gets, gets affected by external things, then we can make healthier decisions for ourselves and, and know that we're making the right decisions for ourselves. That's awesome. Exactly. exactly. Okay, awesome. So I want to thank you deeply, deeply, deeply for your time, for your beautiful energy. And people who are listening to this, you have to go and watch the videos to see the energy that this woman, what, what's the word? What do you do with energy? You radiate it, radiate. It was really the minute I saw one of her videos and it's just the most amazing energy. You have to go and see it. And then you have to contact her and let her help you. Cool, do that. <laughs> no, really, your, your words are very kind. Thank you, because I was planning to do a video after our, our chat and all the fears and insecurities and doubts that come up that I deal with before I record, um, mm. I feel really energized just no. by your compliment. So thank no. you. Let, let them go. Also, can I just ask you a question? Before I came onto your mailing list, you sent out an email and asked whether you could add me. Am I correct? Yes, I, I did that. I got the list from the um, ASCHP's website. Yeah. And that is uh, my hat off to you. You were the first person I ever think who kind of sent a message and said, this is who I am. Um, I've got your details. May I add you? Are you interested? May I add you? That, that, I think that's when I realized that I'm dealing here with, 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 with somebody slightly different. Awesome. Faye, I wish you all of the best. Every, every, every single of, thing of the best that can, can, can come your way. I wish you that. And keep on keep on doing all the good things you do please it was so awesome to spend time with Faye and hear her story from a broken teenager to an empowered adult I am fascinated how Faye sets goals for herself and then work to reach these goals I'm also intrigued how amazingly she sets boundaries to reach these goals and does not seem to allow anything to derail her dream I wish her a booming practice and hope nothing ever dulls that beautiful internal shining light. If you want to know more about what I do, please feel free to connect with me on my website, which is www.freddy.org.za, or find me on Facebook at either Meet Me in the Field or Freddy Counselor, or on Twitter at, at @rensbukfreddy or Instagram at Freddy Counselor. Remember that Freddy is always spelt with an IE at the end. Thank you for listening. Be safe. Bye.